Hello and welcome to the Spinners Podcast. My name is Riley and each week we listen to three random 45 RPM vinyls my best friend Nils bought off of eBay. This week we have Jared Clemens in with us. He's a wild rock and roller currently residing in Asbury Park, New Jersey, if that rings any bells. How are you doing tonight, Jared? Doing great, doing great. Everything's about to open on Friday, so I couldn't be happier. <laughs> no way. Is there? A, have they announced the date? Yeah, so it's on Friday, the uh, the twenty eighth. Wow! In two days, everything's opening up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I went to uh, I went to Popeyes tonight, and this guy freaked out on me for not having a mask. I'm like, <laughs> dude, two days won't matter. <laughs> I love that. Congratulations on all that. Before we get started, would you like to give us a little biography about yourself? So, you know, I was born in Connecticut. You know, I lived there till I was about eight, and then my mom and I moved to Florida. Let's skip some time here. I was like 13. My dad ended up in the hospital. Basically, like, it was... It caught me by surprise. And then my mom had already been battling cancer at that time. She was in remission of uh, stage four ovarian cancer. Then like a year after my dad passed, she passed away from cancer coming back. So then like I was forced to move to Arizona actually with my uncle Bill and my aunt Trish. And um, after living, I didn't, I really did not want to go. I was like so happy in Florida, but you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. You know, I lost my uncle after a little bit of time out there to a house fire. Basically, like, that was the moment I knew I had to pick up my guitar and, like, take what I do now as serious as I do now, if that makes sense. And your father, of course, for anyone who doesn't know, is Clarence Clemens, who was in the E Street Band and had his own solo career as well. It really opened my eyes to a lot, you know. It was kind of like they left me with the talents and abilities that I was blessed with and... You know, I finally had to turn it into something good and like share my message with people who could relate and are going through like similar things. I love that. It sounds like you've been located in a lot of different places. Could you tell the difference in kind of the musical scene of each place you live? Well, it's like, you know, Florida didn't really have one. It doesn't really have one unless you're in like a hardcore band or like you like going to hookah lounges. <laughs> so there's, you know, there's not really anything out there for me. You know what I mean? So like I was in a punk band by the name of Sherwood for about a year and a half. And then I finally was like telling the guys, I'm like, I need to move for my career. So, you know, like I recorded a full length album with those guys, went on a tour before I left. And then I moved here. So, you know, it was, that was like, that was like almost like two years ago. That's insane. Time flies. So you said your family kind of bestowed the gift of music onto you. What were some of your earliest musical memories with them? I remember my dad getting me my first guitar. I just never played it. You know, I never thought that, you know, a guitar would be my thing. And I remember my mom brought me to a club that my dad was playing. It was BB Kings because the East Street Band were playing one of those nights and he went there to sit in with BB. I got introduced to BB as a kid and I remember BB telling me, you're going to play guitar one day. You're going to play guitar one day, young man. I said, no, I'm not. I'm going to play drums. Because <laughs> I was like, I was a, I started off as a drummer when I was a kid, you know, like I came home from school and my brother Gordon bought both of him and I a drum kit. So I was down there playing for hours on end. You know, and I, and I sat down behind the drums and the drums were just so natural. Just, you know, I was playing like four different kinds of beats in the span of a day. I was just sitting behind the drums. Yeah, you don't say no to B.B. King. I guess you saw the future in you. <laughs> you predicted all of it. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, I didn't really take it serious until I didn't take it, the guitar serious until um, it was. So I, my stepdad's family, um, my uncle Shane on that side of the family. Um, he showed me a basic 12 bar blue lick and turnaround. So I'd sit there and practice that for hours on end, hours on end, hours on end. And you know, like, um, I didn't really start learning from people. He was like the only person who gave me that, that lesson and the, 
the basic pentatonic scale. And like mm-hmm. everything else wow. was kind of just like tips from people throughout my life. And a lot of it now, it's like my guitar playing now from when it was like from what it was like a year ago is like night and day difference because I give huge props to my guitar player, Zach, because he's an absolute animal. You know what I mean? So he's taught me a lot of things and a lot of tri- a lot of tricks to not tricks to like cheat it, but like to make it sound better, if that makes sense. Do you feel like the location you're in affects the music you make? Honestly, it's like, oh, well, the atmosphere is a big thing because, you know, that song in the shadows I recently released on February 28th was uh that was like my pandemic song because like it really like I sat down and I just picked up my guitar and it was like capo four capo five and I just remember like getting these chords like in my sleep like just hearing like the like so if you listen to that song you can hear like the like the uh like the dreamy kind of guitar playing I heard those chords in my sleep and I woke up and I wrote a song in 15 minutes and that's what that song turned out to be is my pandemic song you know, the reason I didn't write a song that was necessarily talking about COVID, it was talking about the pain, but we're going to make it through it. That's everything. Everybody could relate to that. You know what I mean? And that song came to me in a dream, really. That's how a lot of my songs have come to me, really, is like through dreams. That's amazing. How do you think that works? Do you think something is communicating to you from like another world or you think it's like your brain just working while you sleep? Well, I had the weirdest dream last night, actually. I had a, I was just like, before I go to bed, if I think hard about something, I'll end up dreaming about it. You know, I had a dream about learning, picking up the sax again after my dad was teaching me before he passed. I had a dream about picking up the sax and then I just like woke up and I bought a sax today. <laughs> Man. Wow! Congratulations. That's that's really big. Yeah, it's like that's not I was trying to keep a secret, but like I don't know. I can't. You know, I just feel <laughs> so like I don't know how to explain it. You know what I mean? Was that remotely intimidating? Just having that presence. Um, it was. You know, it's it's a little, it's a little. Uh, sometimes it like gets me in like an emotional state because my uh, my sax player Adrian, he he's phenomenal. And he's like one like this is like no shade if anybody from New Jersey's listening, but uh, <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> if he's if he's one of the closest sounds to my dad since my dad that I've ever heard in like a long time. I'm like I don't ever wow. say that about anybody, and you know he was sitting here playing Paradise by the Sea. Um, oh. I you gotta I gotta send it to y'all on Instagram, but listen, like this was the most intense thing. Like, it it made me smile, but I was crying at like the same time. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> right, that I can only imagine how intense that would be for you. That's that's beautiful and really really heavy. So I think I'm gonna have him teach me sex, cause uh, you know. Uh, his name's Adrian, but like nicest guy you'll ever meet. A lot of a lot of my songs come come to me in my dreams though, because I'll think about I'll think about a riff, and then I'll, I'll go to sleep, and then for some reason the song will write itself in my sleep. You know, and then I'll wake up, and then either I'll remember it and write it down, or I'll totally forget it and be mad that I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like music is magic or is it math? Honestly, I think it's a little bit of both. Do you feel like you have like a set of lyrical themes you work with for the late nights or do you kind of just like 
I like to write as if I'm Keith Richards, like, or Mick Jagger himself, or, you know, <laughs> uh, act like I have yeah. all those, ex- all the experience on the road and stuff, but, like, I don't necessarily, yeah, I've been on a couple tours, like, acoustically, but not, like, with the band yet, but, you know, a lot of, a lot of things influence the way I write, also, back onto that, um, you know, it's not just the area, but it's, like, the people that I meet day to day, you know, there's people that tell me that, you know, you inspire me to keep going and blah, blah, blah. And then that's what motivates me to go into the studio and come out with what we're coming out with, if that makes sense. That's beautiful. I never really thought about that. You make a really good point with the idea of, like, pretending to have this emotional knowledge. I think a lot of rock musicians do that. Yeah. And now I wonder if the entire history of rock is just lying about the experience <laughs> you have. It's kind of funny. Well, like, the crazy part about it, too, is, like, I like to write from a third-person perspective a lot of the times. There's been times where I've written a song about, like, a Jim Carrey movie or something. Like, I see, like, his character, and I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, yo, like, I wonder what that would actually feel like if I went through that myself. And it, and it opens it opens up writing a lot. Because people limit themselves, so let's come up with a chord progression. Let's just write off with a feel of that. It's like, no, like, dig deep for it, and you'll write something that you never thought you could write. You know what I mean? I gotta ask, what Jim Carrey movie? There's been so many. I mean, it was mainly just like, <laughs> mainly just like an example because it was definitely not a Jim Carrey movie. I think it was like a a, a Ben uh, Ben Stiller movie, but I don't remember. Um, no, it was an Adam Sandler movie with Jennifer Aniston. Which one? There we, there we go. That, it was. What was the one with uh, Jennifer Aniston in it? Um, I don't remember what it's called. I, I'm I'm drawing a blank. Um, but it, it just inspired me to write about love. You know, like. I'm one to write about love because, like, as young as I am, I've been through plenty of relationships in my life and things that have really, like, tested my patience. <laughs> you know what I mean? And <laughs> Yeah. How do you know when you're finished with the song? Honestly, like, I don't like to overdo it. That's how, like, you know, if I, if I write, like, a verse, chorus, and a verse, and that's it, and an outro, and that's it, I'll just leave it. I don't, like... Ask my band members one day. They're n- they know I don't write bridges. I'm not a bridge writer. I don't like bridges and songs. I don't know why. I'd like to get straight to the point. <laughs> That's interesting. Does that do you think that influences like the trajectory of your songs? Yeah, you know, there are songs I write bridges in, but like Ramblewood Parkway, we were talking about putting a bridge in that where you're first writing it, and I was like, no, it just needs to say the verse, chorus, verse, breakdown, chorus, outro. You know, it's just like. Mm-hmm. It just depends on the song and the feel that we're like that I feel or like if they feel on the same page with it and they trust my judgment on that we're good but like there's times where I'm like I listen to these guys cuz obviously they have an outsider's perspective on that and like we that's how we work we like we like uh discuss things and you know see we see each other's points and stuff and we try to meet in the middle with certain things that we don't necessarily agree with you know what are your ambitions right now for your whole musical journey? My ambitions are never fame. My ambitions are never to be a cocky person. My ambitions are to remain humble as possible because there's always somebody out there that's better than me. My ambitions are to spread positivity and love. It's not fame, it's not glory, it's not a record deal to like make us millions, it's none of that. It's like, I'd rather go play for one guy in the bar having a beer and he rocks out the entire time and tells us he had a great time versus going and playing out for stadiums and things like that and have people be like, oh yeah, your show was good. I've seen you before. Like, I want it to mean something to people. That's my ambition now is to just touch people with what we do, you know, to inspire people. That's beautiful. Oh, that's, that's such a beautiful sentiment. I love that. 
Well, Jared, we're gonna play you some music, and you can tell us what you think about it. All right. Uh, so the first random vinyl that I picked out of our little box here uh, is "The Love I Left Behind" by the Stone Mans. When I was a young boy, I'd always go to see every show that came to town. I dreamed a star I'd be with great big stars all in my eyes. I dreamed someday I'd find my name along with all the stars on the sidewalk at Hollywood and Vine. But soon my love I would find, and as I grew older, my love I did find. When she said it's me for all of my dreams, my love I left behind. I'll give her some My name in the stars I find But wherever I went I couldn't forget The love I left behind This world I travel over Now I'm going back home to find The finishing touch of all of my dreams The love I left behind True love, I'll be home soon. Now I'm home to see her with marriage on my mind. But I've missed my chance for true romance. She married a friend of mine. I have everything in for a happy ending and then it's a bummer you know what like i just like just listen to like the first like 30 seconds of it like you could hear like the pain in his voice and then you hear like the jerry garcia it's like a jerry garcia like uh johnny cash collabed on that song that's such a good point like the early jerry garcia with like the kind of the bluegrass yeah thing. that's a great way of putting it i wouldn't even thought about that i love how it seemed to like perfectly relate from the very beginning yeah. About exactly what you're talking about with chasing fame instead of like really passion. Yeah. It's kind of like a parable or something. It's like a little story to like warn you against the the troubles of like vanity and kind of pursuing your dreams too much. Yeah, yeah. You know, if it, there's a difference because like if you if you 
chase at something with passion in it. Instead of like going straight on and going for the grand prize, you're gonna enjoy it a lot more. And it might take you a little bit longer, but you know, you have the right thing guiding your ship, you're not gonna run into the rocks. That's a great, I love that. The right thing guiding your ship. And I think that's the thing we all have to think about is like, who are we letting be in charge right now? Like what part of ourself is making these decisions? Cause I've definitely let the wrong things guide me before. Yeah. You always keep your circle small too, because the moment you let too many people in, you have too much influence. And that's when things can go south for you as well. Music's a magical thing to, to heal your soul, you know, and that's like the medicine people need right now. Not 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 necessarily like prescribed medication. They just need to put on like a Muddy Waters album or like, you know, some some old uh, some old Grateful Dead or like, you know, and just like relax, you know, and like that's the most healing thing is just to meditate and listen to your favorite albums. You know what I mean? Like that's like the best thing in my opinion. Beautiful. Should we listen to the next record? I'm all for it. Yeah, let's do it. This is Christopher Robin. Who is that the human from Winnie the Pooh? Am I making that Winnie up? Winnie the Pooh. I think so, yeah. All right. Well, I think we've had some wacky songs from the Stone Mans in the past, so <laughs> I'm expecting another one. Go today, Christopher Robin walked away. He left a wife, no word, and some bills, and 17 kids in bed with the chill. But today his wife finally got ahead. Insurance man said he's legally dead. Now I know the truth, and I'm not lying. Christopher Robin is far from dying. Yes, Christopher Robin is alive and well Drinking rum from a coconut shell Long-haired maiden sit on his knee In fragrant flowers under breadfruit trees Yes, Christopher Robin is alive and well The sand is warm, the waves are swell He drinks his rum and plays his guitar And wishes you well wherever you are was neither rich nor poor and legally he exists no more for seven long years she waited around the kids all left and got jobs downtown the computing machine just came across claim number 2288 she got the check and leaned back sighing christopher you did right well but dying Yes, Christopher Robin is alive and well Drinking rum from a coconut shell Long-haired maidens sit on his knee In fragrant flowers under breadfruit trees Yes, Christopher Robin is alive and well The sand is warm, the winds are swell He drinks his rum and plays his guitar And wishes you well wherever you are Ba, 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 
nothing to do with Winnie the Pooh. I was not expecting that. That song kind of threw me off a little bit. Yeah, that was wild. It was like dark. I was not expecting. It was kind of dark, but then like they were saying he's alive and well, but then he was nowhere to be seen. So I'm like, what is it? Yeah, what is it? <laughs> I think I think he faked his death and ran away to like paradise. He's like living okay. and like on the beach now. <laughs> I oh, think that's man. it. He's wishing everyone well after he left his wife with 17 kids that all had fever. 17. Hey, kudos 17. to that guy for being able to escape the no, no, you're right. This this is impressive. <laughs> you're totally right. He he executed something well by making this escape. That's insta that's insane. That's so funny. Dude, the darkest part, I think this is how I interpret it. I'm not sure. Is when his wife is like looking at their bank account and they have no money and she's like he did the right thing. Like, <laughs> like this is a terrible situation to be in. Wow. <laughs> so she knows. That's that's nuts. That that song kind of like threw me around for a second. Do you how do you feel about it from like a songwriting perspective? I think that it's cool. Obviously, he was living his best life while she was sitting there like struggling and she had all the kids working. I mean, if you think about it, he's kind of like like he's he's kind of rude. <laughs> yes, yeah, pretty disrespectful. <laughs> a little bit. Was wait, was child support a thing then? That's a really good question. <laughs> wow. I guess if you go far enough away, right, child support can't find you if you're on an island. Yeah, that's true. Dude, having 17 kids and having them all be sick, it's pretty unfortunate. Oh, it's a lot of them. <laughs> terrible. Yeah, it would be unfortunate taking care of that as two parents and then leaving it right. so that it's just one parent. Oh, that's impossible. Where do you think they chose the name? Like, do you think that's just a coincidence that it's the Winnie the Pooh guy? Probably. I don't know. It's got kind of a cute ring to it. Yeah, probably. I think they, they, they probably thought of it randomly, but like didn't put two and two together. Yeah, it feels unrelated. My hope, like as I was listening to the song, is that like in the paradise, he was... I don't know, gonna basically like trip so hard that he imagines that he's friends with Pooh Bear and all the other like animal creatures. <laughs> I thought that would have been a great tie-in. Didn't get into that, but I can still hope. <laughs> you should write the sequel, Nils. You and Jared should work together. <laughs> right? Christopher Robin too. <laughs> Get sued by the Winnie the Pooh estate. I always think it's an interesting choice when the song name is just a like a name, like a person's name. Like that feels really personal. I, I could. It was kind of like a. Yeah. I couldn't do that. It had to be a lyric out of the song. <laughs> right, right. Like, you know, like if, if it's someone you know in real life and you put their name in the song, like they're probably gonna find it. Like, pretty heavy. <laughs> no, nah, it's like, I could never do that. I couldn't put that target on my back. <laughs> do you ever use like fake names or do you just kind of do you? Or I? Well, if like I sing about somebody I know or like somebody that I'm trying to write the song about i won't use their name by chance there has been times where i have like put their name in a song and it just did not register with me you know and i wouldn't think about it and they'd be like is this song about me and i'm like nah 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 if the dream tells you what say do you even have you know yeah exactly it was given to you yeah i'm still blown away by that song what was that <laughs> i like the line he was neither rich nor poor, and legally he exists no more. That's that's heavy. He's a savage. He's gone. <laughs> but yeah. legally he exists. He really he exists, but according to the law, he's not real. That's a good state to be. He's in. a savage. Like what kids? What kids are you talking about? All the seventeen back home. <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah, I'll just stay here on the beach. All right. Next up we have Elton John, Lonely Boy. This is the thing. Sometimes. Sometimes we get like the stone mans and like weird, wacky, pretty small artists, and then sometimes we get just the you know Elton John. 
Sir Elton John.
awesome. Not a sign of Elton I'd seen before. That was definitely like uh, a Stevie Wonder, David Ryan Harris collaboration, 100%. I'm not used to him using a synthesizer. Do you guys know Elton John songs with that? No. Not that I could think of. No, that was really unique. That was awesome, though. That's a good song. I didn't know he really did anything in the 80s. I guess I kind of forgot about that, you know? There's definitely people where it's like they have decades where you don't really hear from them. And it's crazy that they think they're still doing things. And for songs that are this good and I never hear them, like, that's kind of sad. That was that was, that was was great. I need to hear that live, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think the lyrics are cute, too. I was kind of expecting it to be like like a funky song with not much to say, but I feel like it was kind of a good poem. It's weird. The, it, the only release of it that I can find is in the Jewel Box. Yeah. Which has, it's track 115. <laughs> How many songs are in the Jewel wait, Box? Wait. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. How do you even release that? How do you release that on vinyl? <laughs> How many sides do you need for over 100? You need the box set. <laughs> Dude, yeah, they're like 50 box set for all of them. Imagine having to like find the one song you want to listen to though, like how painful that would be. <laughs> Dude, sometimes it's hard enough on like one LP because you got to skip to the grooves, but if you got to sort through all of them, man, I'm lucky we are living in the era we're living in now. Spotify is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Spotify actually tells me. So this is on disc eight. <laughs> oh, of nine. There are nine discs. <laughs> okay, okay. There's no. Do you think anybody's listened to the entire box set no. all the way through? No. <laughs> no. No. Not unless they're like time. stoned and in that like mood <laughs> to do it. You know. Right. Let's get high and then just I not mean, stand up until we've heard the whole thing. <laughs> to be fair, it's only nine hours and fifty-eight minutes. Only nine uh, hours. Only. That's like a road trip. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the last disc. We're almost there. <laughs> and your buddy's just like asleep. They like gave up a long time ago. <laughs> it's a little aggressive for him to be calling Lonely Boy, Lonely Boy, you know? Like he's being positive, but he's it's a little bit disrespectful. Yeah. I don't know. I think the song was grooving though, like aside from that. I don't know. I mean, I think that the, overall there's not too much to the lyrics um, because it's not it's not Bernie's lyrics you know, who Elton would almost always work with. So that part actually made me feel like it was lacking a little bit, but probably more because I was expecting like earlier Elton John stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, even though I saw the year, I wasn't expecting it to have such a like drastically different sound. A lot of it feels again, like it kind of goes back to the undying desire to like end up famous. I don't know how to feel about the line, face the music and disregard the rest. I think it's like, you know, you, he's saying put your focus on the music and stop worrying about all the white noise and all the people that are keeping you back from it. This is like the most random reference that I can make to it. But like I was watching Star Wars <laughs> The Force Awakens and like Ooh. Kylo's looking for, for BB-8 and they go into the bar and there's that band playing and the song is called Jabba Flow if you ever look it up. But these guys are just like, it's. I know it's a movie, but these guys are just like so happy and just like playing their instruments and just playing this song and just jamming it out for the longest amount of time. It's like, it's a movie, but like that's inspiring to me that they're just happy jamming and nobody's even paying attention. Obviously, it's a movie, but nobody's paying attention. I want to be like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't care to have the attention. I'm in it for the music. And it's like, you know, that's what's driving my ship is just is just music. And that's... 
you know, that's what I got out of this last song is he's saying, don't worry about everything else. Just have music be your guide. I love that you saw Star Wars and you focused on the background musicians. I think that's so perfect and so telling about <laughs> your values in the best way. But the song is called Jabba Flow. It's actually very, like, happy sounding. It's funny. <laughs> All right. This song is about lost and found. Maybe. I don't know. It's called Who Wears These Shoes? <laughs> Maybe. That sounds like a John Mellencamp song.
Wow. Honestly, you know, what I just got from that, just the vibe alone sounded like if something like, if if Whitney Houston and Mick Jagger collaborated, that's exactly what that song would have sounded like. <laughs> now you're going to get me dreaming about that. That would be lovely. Oh, just the way that the chord progression goes down, it just like makes your heart sink, you know? It's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm disappointed it wasn't about a lost and found. <laughs> what do you think about the actual subject matter? To me, it's like a ex-boyfriend looking at their old lover and seeing their new lover. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, yeah, worse worse than that is not being able to see the their ex-lover's new lover. I think that it's just like the, the tortured, like, you know, I wasn't good enough for you. Who could possibly be good enough for you? He's not even in their life enough to know. You're so right. Like, he wants the answer, but he got so extricated from the situation that he's literally unable to find out the information. Yeah. Right. That song is like, that song is really deep, actually. A lot of these songs have been having some problems. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The one guy leaving his kids, you know. And then we got this guy looking back at his life like, dang. He's just so unable to move on. I've got nothing to do, and I want to know who wears the shoes. Like, he has nothing else in his life. All he can do is just think about this person. And what he lost. Do you think he wants to know? Do you think knowing would actually help? I don't know. I feel like he's not moving on from that, and he's going to like be miserable for like the rest of his life. Clearly, what he's doing right now isn't working for him. So I could see one of those music videos of him like just stalking her while he's like singing this like playing guitar walking behind her and stuff okay you're actually dead on i'm watching the music video right now and it's like basically that but like in this weird abstract like surrealist version he's like running around staircases and stuff and looking up and following her around really dark but powerful that's my favorite one right now my favorite song of the night all right should we move on to our final 45 so this one seems a little bit different. This is uh, Katarina Valenti, or probably just Valent. I think that it's actually Italian, so I'm going to butcher the pronunciation either way. This is, it looks like jealousy, but maybe in Italian, jealousy. So we'll see. Jealousy that tortures me. 
That intro scared me. I thought I was watching an insidious movie. Yeah, the screeching strings. <laughs> Horror, for real. Honestly, I heard that coming out of like a chitty chitty, out of chitty chitty bang bang, or like Lady and the Tramp or something. Is the horror vibe intentional? Because I feel like that might actually be like a, a songwriting choice. Probably about her like her jealousy or whatever. I think that was like the intense feeling behind what she was feeling. To represent it. So like violently is is interesting. Yeah, but like and then she tried to like come in like her that was her anger speaking and then she came in with like the soft vocals making it trying to cover it up making it seem like I'm not crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I love that. You're so right because there's that beautiful kind of little waltzy music that comes in later on and it's like, wait a minute, weren't we just doing this like scary horror movie vibe? But I think you're so right. <laughs> like, they're kind of at odds with each other, and that's kind of what the lyrics are about, like, fluctuating between peace and wild insecurity. I didn't get the lyrics until the end, but I think it's actually really well written. It's, like, complex and makes you think. Just, like, I feel like her lover is playing with her. Like, she, he's toying with her. And yeah. she, she's never going to get the satisfaction because it's all about the game of playing with someone's emotions instead of actually together yeah and then like i think that's what the anger comes from and that then that's trying her trying to mask it up so that way he doesn't see that and be like whoa you know because i know if i was him and i saw it and i heard that beginning of the song i'd be like yeah <laughs> <Whoa>. um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I i thought it was a really cool like melding of a bunch of different like bizarre sections like, I, I love the strings in the beginning, talking to the horns, and just, like, the bizarre back and forth at the beginning made you feel that kind of feeling. And then the way that they used music, like, talking about music in the lyrics was really cool. Talking about, like, 
if this spell that I'm under can only be a melody, like just talking about how, you know, music is enchanting. Is there anything more to this relationship than that enchantment or is that all of it? Wow. And will it end? And do you just like the music, the enchantment and not actually me? I thought that was just so beautifully put. You know, the interpretation, I the, the thing I interpreted from it was definitely like, I think it was the vibe, like the whole, oh yeah, like I'm I'm angry because this guy can't make up his mind, but then like she did not want him to see that side of her because she, he probably knew like she was like crazy or something. Like different tempos and stuff and going back and forth. And some of the lyrics here, like the, um, your eyes give the answer I'm dreaming of, that soft word your cruel lips will never say. Wow. Wow. That's phenomenal. Oh, this is like, like the lyrics are daggers and it's such an interesting song that, you know, instead of like the classic love song that's talking about where those emotions are at the, the height of like, you know, that infatuation, talking about the anxiety of what happens after this stage because she's feels she worries that she's far more invested than he is no definitely oh songs are so strange as vessels for stories because they're only like a brief glimpse there's no real resolution (laughs) i mean i guess we know how it would end in real life we know that the guy would just be playing with her and would move on and she'd be in more pain but it's pretty provocative you know because like there's songs that tell stories that are actually like a thing you know, I don't know if you know the if y'all know the rapper YNW Melly, for example. He made that song about murder on his mind, and he actually like did it and got prosecuted for it, and wondered why he got prosecuted for it. It's like <laughs> you just made a song about <laughs> admitting what you did, and then like you expected nothing. That you literally just sung about it, about like explaining it detail for detail, and you wonder why you got caught. <laughs> Jared, do you think that they should be able to use songs in court, or is that a creative thing that is too dangerous personally if it's like i mean if you're gonna like kill someone and then like you're like you're like the main prime suspect and then you put a song out right after i think it's completely fine as evidence <laughs> let's hear the last song this is one of her most popular songs the breeze and i
got caught up in like a scene in my head let's hear it what's the scene well like when it first when it first came in i thought about like mortal Kombat, like the round Round one fight you know what i mean (laughs) but then like it turned into like this whole like fiesta which was awesome and like i just pictured like this chick like walking down the street and like everybody dancing and stuff i don't know how to explain it that's so on point i feel like it fluctuated so much i have so much respect for her after these two songs combined the first one, I'm like, oh, maybe she kind of did it by accident. But the way that this one moved around so much, <laughs> it's like, okay, that's definitely intentional. Like, there's so many things going on, and they're all in juxtaposition with each other. And I think you guys are so right about the kind of masking your emotions thing with, like, this insane whirlwind of sound. And then she kind of sings kind of calmly and, like, you know, conventionally beautiful voice. But, like, that doesn't take away from this insane experimental thing she just did. And it's like, how do these things exist in the same song? I think that's so interesting. And apparently this was, the original music was written in 1928. Wow. And then, like, it it looks like some different lyrics were added over time uh, before this recording, I think sometime in the 50s. So I'd, I'd be really interested to see, like, the progression of this piece as, like, you know, going from only instrumental to having lyrics in Spanish and then finally to lyrics in English. Yeah, what do you guys think the lyrics mean? Um, I personally was caught up in, like, the whole music part of it this time right. around. Yeah. I, I was just lost in it. I was, like, listening to everything going on, like, the horns, the congas, the, you know, I, I was just lost in it. How do you interpret the, the breeze in this song, Riley? I think it's like, she's so lonely that all she has is the wind. The breeze flows through an empty area and like maybe an empty area because someone left you. So she's literally all by herself. The only other thing here is the breeze. So saying the breeze and I is like this empty space in my life and I are standing here (laughs) and we can, we both agree. Me and this nothingness agree that I have nothing. Like really sad. A lot of it, too, was in the music, just listening to it, every individual instrument was explaining her pain and, like, whatever she was going through. Like, you could hear it in the strings, you could hear it in the horns, and, like, even the percussion. 
Well, Jared, now we're at a special time in the podcast. You have to choose two of the three records that you like the best and one of them that you like the least. Honestly, I liked both of the, uh, the Elton John songs. I think that they were like, but okay, all right. Um, so what was the fir- what was the first one called? I've- so the first one, those were the Stone Man's, The Love I Left Behind and Christopher Robin. Chris- yeah, that one, the Christopher Robin one, yeah. And then um, the second Elton John one was like, those two are my favorite. All right, so you're saying you like those two better than that last one with like the strings and all okay. of that. Okay, if I had a third option, that would definitely be it. Uh-huh. But like, it was very like, it was like, it was a lot for me <laughs> to comprehend right now. Well, Jared, do you have anything you'd like to promote, share with the audience, or tell us about what's coming next? Um, we have a big show coming up on June 18th at the Stone Pony, celebrating 10 years. Uh, I'm not really celebrating. It's more of like a memorial for my dad being gone for 10 years. So, uh, you know, celebration of life, let's put it that way. Man, that's beautiful. I got to say, I really love that Jungle Land solo you posted. That was I've watched that a few times now. It's really beautiful. I appreciate it. That was like... I don't know. It was forced. I, I, I learned it note for note now. So, uh, you know, it's going to take me like five or six years to learn on the sax. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's big, big shoes to fill. Definitely. Yeah. And well, thank you so much for, for joining us, Jared. I really appreciate it. And next time I'm in New Jersey, I'll let you know. I'd love to see you guys perform. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It means the world. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And remember... Keep spinning.